0: Of the Lord, so thankful to experience his presence and power this morning in worship. I just love to worship, amen? amen. You guys so thankful for the opportunity Pastor gave me to, to preach this morning in his absence. Sure do miss him and miss them when they're gone, but I believe God's going to meet us here, amen? amen? You know, Brother Peyton come up to me this morning, and he, uh, he gave me some advice and, and he gave me a message. He said, I know what you could preach on. I said, yes, sir, what's that? He said, Jesus, you read my mind, so, <laughs> amen. You know, with a little help this morning, Jesus will help us. That's what I'm going to preach It's Jesus, amen, amen. If you would stand with me, we're going to read in the book of John chapter number five this morning, John chapter number five, we're going to begin there in verse number one. If you're there, say amen. 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 John chapter 5 and verse number 1, it says, After there was a great feast, I'm sorry, after there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water for an angel went down at a certain season and into the pool and troubled the water whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had verse 5 and a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years when jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there He had been now a long time in that case. He saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. What I want to emphasize this morning in verse 3, it says John states that there was a multitude of impotent folk. Impotent means unable to take effective action. Helpless, powerless, ineffective, ineffectual, inadequate, weak, useless, vain, unfitted. Reading that definition... If you're like me, you think, well, some days that pretty well sums it up. <laughs> there are some days in this walk, in this life, that pretty well sums up how you feel. Amen? But this morning, with the Lord's help, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this thought. With Jesus, you don't have to be impotent. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to be in your house God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your presence that's been made real this morning. God, we just ask you that you would come now, anoint the ears to hear, anoint my lips to speak, that which you'd have me say. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give me the anointing to make the preaching effective. God, pray that you change hearts and lives here today. God, that you would meet needs in these altars. God, don't let us leave the way we came. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. With Jesus. You don't have to be impotent. You know, there's nothing more than hell wants today than for you to feel impotent, for you to feel weak, for the church of God to feel like they have no power, they have no place in the world, that they can't make any, uh, any headway in the world that we live in. You know, he wants the, the kingdom of God to suffer. He wants the children of God to feel weak, to feel like they can't do anything, feeling as if they can't make a difference feeling as if they don't matter, you and I as a child of God have to know that our power, our strength, our abilities rest in Him and Him alone. You and I don't have power, we don't have the ability, but in Jesus we do. We have to know that He didn't call us out of darkness without properly equipping us to face the world and the devil. Jesus didn't suffer and die on a cross for a weak, powerless church, that would set back and let hell reign free. No sir, no ma'am. He died that we might have life and have it more abundantly. It's only as we realize that that we can move forward. He died, he has given us all power over the enemy. The Bible says to resist the devil and he must flee. In Jesus there is power and up until that measure that he's in you, you have that power in you there is no impotency. In him, Satan must flee. You know, when I was a, a born-again Christian, just starting walking out, and then in my struggles in life and immaturity in the Lord, or, or, or I don't know necessarily that I would call it immature, I still would say this is pretty good, you know. But uh, in my walking, in my struggles, you know, when, when I would feel temptation or when I would feel things coming on, I would just say, I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. In the name of Jesus, you know, as we come in his stead, in the name of Jesus, we're operating as Christ. You know, if we're in him, there's no sin, and we're walking and we're striving, and we come in the name of Jesus, we come in his place. And if I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus, I'm not rebuking him in my power. I'm rebuking him in the power of the Son of God. And he says he will flee because Jesus has put him under our feet. And it's only then can we walk this Christian walk that we can walk this life that He's given us? It's not that we have any strength and any ability, no matter how long you live for God, for 20 years, for two months, for two days, for 60 years, at the end of it all, you and yourself will still be inadequate to face the world and the enemy. You yourself, me, will still be inadequate. Uneffective, powerless, weak, ineffectual to do anything for God. It's only as we succumb to the power of Christ, to the will of God, that we can do anything. You know, uh, heard Brother Clinton preaching one time on you know Jesus said He's the root out of. Dry, they say Jesus is the root out of dry ground. He said, "What's that mean?" and he began to say, the Lord revealed to him, you know, that, that he's the root out of dry ground. That means that, you know, you take a root out of the ground then it doesn't get water, it doesn't get nutrients, it's going to wither up and die. So how is Jesus a root out of dry ground? He didn't get nothing from the earth. He didn't get any water, any nutrients. He didn't get anything from the earth. The earth can't sustain him. He sustains all in, in the Father. And if I'm rooted in Christ and I don't get anything from the world, then I can, I can live as he lived. Amen. I can have the power to face every day like he did. Amen? We must be rooted in Christ. Romans 16 and 20, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We have to learn to walk in the authority of the one that saved us. And we have to, I myself am weak. In myself I have no authority, no ability, unable to take action. I'm unfit, I'm worthless, I'm unprofitable. But that's why this Christian life is an exchanged life. You know, we sing the song, His Life for Mine. What does that really mean? It says, I lay my life down on the altar and take up His life that I'm able to walk. In no other way can I do it. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price and I belong to Him. It's only as we learn to crucify our flesh that we're able to make headway In this walk with God. It's only as I put on the new man. That you and I could live this life. Adding Jesus to what we are without changing. Without dying to self will leave us feeling impotent. It will leave us feeling weak. It will leave us with expectations that we can never obtain. A strive for holiness that we can never reach. And a life that has never been fully surrendered to him. You know, I oftentimes get frustrated in my going and doing and trying to be because I, I get outside of who he is and I try to do it in who I am. And I fall short every single time. But if, we, if we're going to do anything for God, we have to realize that we have to operate in his power. We have to operate in his presence, in his spirit, through him, because in us we can't do it. Paul said, let this mind be in you let means to allow or to permit i have to permit his mind to be in me and that means that i have to get my mind out of the way you know sister anna shared a thing on facebook i believe it's her sister gloria said that you know sometimes i'm the weapon formed against me that causes me not to prosper how many of you understand how many of you agree with that You know, we have to put off ourself and put on Christ in order to walk in him. That's the only way this thing works. We can't figure out how to do it. We can't just add Jesus to who we are. But it's as we put off the old man and put on the new that we come to a full life in Christ. I saw a quote a few weeks ago. I think I even maybe even said it in our testimonies for youth camp. But it is so powerful and I keep going back to it. It says, God doesn't grant us an overcoming life. He grants us life as we overcome. It's a continual thing. We're not going to come up, we're not going to wake up one day and have arrived and have realized that we've overcome you know, everything and we can just walk and go as we wish. No, we have to overcome every day. It's a continual process. The school of Christ teaches you know, that I'm justified when I'm born again but I'm being sanctified. Being means continual, that I'm going to continue to be sanctified. I'm going to continue to grow in Him until He calls us home. And it's in that that we'll realize and learn that it's a daily thing as we put off ourselves, put on Christ, that we grow more and more in His likeness. We can get wrapped up in our inabilities, our shortcomings, and think that God can't use me. It is then I must remind myself that I'm weak, I have no ability. I cannot, be in a, I cannot be effective in and of myself. I'm reminded that the only thing good in me is the Father in me. The only thing, if anybody sees any good in Corey, if anybody sees any good in you, it's only that which we have of the Father. It's only what Jesus shining through us, that's the only thing good in my life. You know, I'm reminded that there is nothing good in me. My righteousness is filthy rags. But it's only him. And that's what I, I want to hone in on, tonight, on today is, is, is how we can rest in him. There's a few areas I want to talk about that, that we become impotent in our lives. In the first place I want to mention is in our worship. In our worship, many times and moments... Worship, we become bogged down with thoughts, with things, with with cares of the day. Thoughts racing through our mind in an attempt to get our hearts and minds off the Lord. We feel as though we can't break through. We can't clear our head and enter into the Holy of Holies. The enemy wants you to believe today that today is not your day. He wants wants you to think that you're too busy. Today was too busy. Today was too hard. Too many things didn't go your way. It was too stressful. It was mentally and physically exhausting. Hell wants to get your mind on all those things. The flesh wants to get your mind on all those things. Sometimes the flesh gets in the way just as much, sometimes more than the enemy does. Amen? You know, Friday, I... uh, I was off and I had some things to take care of, just getting off a uh, uh, shutdown, working several uh, couple weeks in a row. And so Friday I took and handled some responsibilities. And, you know, also just in my heart and my mind, just preparing for today throughout the week. And, and Friday just was not my day. <laughs> Anybody have those days where it just seems like everything you try to do just doesn't go right? Something that's supposed to take me two hours took me five. Something that was supposed to work didn't work. Amen? Things that were supposed to go smooth didn't go smooth. They just, everything hit. And we were doing something. We were unloading an appliance at the house, and Brother Aaron was there helping me, and I had a neighbor. And, um, you know, I just told Brother Aaron, I said, nothing has gone right today, nothing. You know, but anyway, we get that done, and we get everything, we're settled down, and we're like, okay. Today's just been too rough. We're just going to go get something to eat tonight. So I'm going to run and pick up some food in town. And lo and behold, I'm sitting at a red light, just kind of just honestly just kind of staring at the light, just kind of zoned out for a minute, just thinking about the day and everything. Out of nowhere, something hits me. Just boom! And I'm like, I didn't even know what to think after the day I had, you know, just hey, It just happens, and I get out and look, and you know, little damage here, his truck's tore up, and uh, say, hey, we need to pull over, get off the road, and honestly, through all of it, you know, I wasn't even mad. I kind of honestly felt sorry for the guy, really, Um, sorry that it happened. I mean, he, you know, just, he was from Houston and driving in to see his brother, and you know, he just said he he didn't speak very much English, and so what he could speak, you know, he said, I, from what I understood, he was he was on the phone trying to get the GPS, he was getting close to his brother's house, and he, he didn't see the red light, and he didn't see me, and um, you know, but through it all, you know, I could have looking back on that situation, you know, me and my flesh would have been mad, I would have been angry, actually, and, and I'm not trying to don't, don't take it, and I'm speaking highly of myself because honestly, had that happened maybe two hours ago I probably would have been really frustrated and really mad but somehow the Lord just gave me peace and just gave me, just calmed me in, in the moment of, you know, this is just, this is just an attack of, of what God's trying to do of what God's doing in your life of, of He's trying to get your eyes off of, 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 the, of the spiritual things and onto the earthly things and onto the things that, that really doesn't matter you know, but but God, you know, I thank Him for His hand of protection. Things could have been much worse. I think that they weren't hurt and all those things. But, you know, I just thank God for the peace that He gave and the and the calmness that He gave. Because a lot of times in those situations, we're not calm. Or I'm not. <laughs> you may be. But in a lot of those situations, we, we may react in ways that we, you know, we don't want to react. Not that we would, you know, but just that we would show our frustration or that we would show our... our um, show that we've been inconvenienced and all of those things but but I just thank God that he showed up in the time where you know I didn't even begin to pray or I didn't begin anything but just just the peace came over and it just took over you know and and it must be that way you know we and sometimes we have to stop ourselves in our frustrations stop ourselves in the day, mundane things of life and remind ourselves that that it's going to be okay that everything's going to work out, that we can just take a deep breath, we could walk in Him, we don't have to do everything in ourselves. But how how many of you know, back to worship, is that, you know, all those things can flood our minds. When we get here on Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday morning, and we begin to worship, if hell can rob you of entering into worship, He can get you messed up for the whole service. You may miss out on anything that God has for you that day. The enemy wants you to believe that today is not your day to enter in. We get our minds and, and we say in our minds, well, I'll just enter in tomorrow. I'll enter in on the way home. I'll enter in tonight or, or the next service, only to find ourselves in the same boat again. We feel as if we lack the power to enter into the Holy of Holies and experience his, pres- his presence again. We feel as if we're unfit for him to move upon us. You know, there's nobody, nobody in this world is harder on me than me, and that's just how I am, you know, I just, I set really high expectations for myself, and, and, and when I don't meet them, you know, I beat myself up, and, 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 and I know that's an issue with me, is that I feel unworthy to enter into his presence, or I feel unworthy that he would move upon me, but, but that's, you know... The reality is is that we're all unworthy, but it's only as as he is, the Father is in us, and as we walk in him, that makes us worthy. But he longs for us anyway. You know, if we we feel as if we're unfit for him to move upon us, therefore we're robbing God of worship that he deserves. Rather, I feel like it or not, the God of heaven deserves worship. If I don't, the Bible says the rocks will cry out, holy, holy, holy. He deserves worship. But I'm going to take it a step further. We're robbing ourselves and God of the sweet communion that he so longs to have with us. Just as as God come down and walked with Adam and communed with Adam in the cool of the day in that garden, he longs to do the same with you and I. We must know that he longs for our worship. There is nothing we could do that would make us fit, worthy, or deserving of this sweet fellowship. But he longs for it, for you and I. No matter our inabilities, our shortcomings, he longs for us to enter into his presence. Nothing outside of our repentance and putting on Christ would would make us worthy. Without it, we're unworthy, we're undeserving, we're impotent. It is only as we walk in him that we can experience this place of worship. Another place that we allow empathy in our life is in our actions. It's been said that actions speak louder than words. I've often heard it said that we judge others by our actions while judging ourselves by our best intentions. Our text says that this man had been lame for 38 years. It says Jesus saw him and knew that he had been there a long time. In that state. His action said. Listen to this. His action said. That he believed one day. When the angel passed by. That he was going to be able to make it into that water. And he was going to be healed. I don't know how long he sat at the pool. I don't know if he was there every single day. For 38 years. I don't know if he come in. Throughout. You know in the middle of his 38 years. The Bible doesn't give any reference to it. But I do know that he was there and that he has been there time after time that the angels came because he said, I didn't have a man to put me into the water and somebody beat me to it. But all the while, his action says, I'm going to keep going back to that pool. I don't know if he stayed there all the time, if he had someone bring him or what his condition was, but I do know that he was there. Season after season, day after day, he sat by that pool waiting believing that one day he would be made whole. He had faith to believe, but he also had action to solidify his faith. Oftentimes we believe in our hearts but give up in our actions. We believe the Lord can use us and equip us, but our actions don't follow through with our beliefs. Our actions oftentimes show defeat and lack of faith. Our actions say, what's the use? I'm weak, I'm helpless, I'm ineffective, I'm powerless. But that's what, they want. That's, what he wants. that's what the flesh wants you to think. That's what the enemy wants you to think. This man could have said, what's the use in sitting by the pool? I have no ability to get in when the water is troubled. But instead, he said, I will sit and wait anyhow for the hope that one day I will be made whole. Ah, we can get so wrapped up in our inabilities, our shortcomings, that we think God can't use me. It is then I must remind myself that I am weak. I have no ability. I cannot be effective in and of myself. You know, it it says that except the seed fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it will die, it will bear much fruit. When that seed's green, it can't be planted and, and produce anything in the ground. But it's only when that seed begins to dry up, when it begins to die, of itself and it's planted will it begin to spring up and grow another plant that's the same with you and I it's only as we die and we put ourselves in Christ rooted in him that we could be of any use or any worship so we have to know that no matter how we feel or what we think of ourselves that we have to rest in him. That our actions have to solidify our faith. That we will continue to walk. That we will continue to do. That we will continue to to pursue Christ. To do what he's called us to do. Each and every person is not called to preach. Or called to teach. Or, or called to sing. But you're called to live this life. In a, in a dark world. You know. Thinking of, of people at work. And, and you know. Thinking about their souls. And eternity. And I get heartbroken. And. You know, I, I don't know how to approach it. I don't know what to say or how to bring it up. But I just know that, you know, or, or you know, don't know what the will of God would be, how to bring it about. But, but I know that I have a testimony to uphold. And I have to live this way so that they see there's something different about me. That I'm not conformed to the world. That I'm not like them. That Jesus is real in my heart. I didn't just add Jesus to what I was and stay the same. And they think, oh, you just added some extracurricular activities like like you just add baseball to the agenda every week. No. I've been changed. And sometimes that's all that, that we can do until the door opens for us to speak. But But we can be effective in our actions. But it's only as we walk in Christ. The last point I want to make is we become impotent in our minds. And this is a pretty big one. This is something that you know, we, as, a, as Christians, I feel like a lot of people struggle with. I know that there's times I've alluded to that I've struggled in, in the mind because that's a powerful thing. Jesus asked this man, Will thou be made whole? Verse number 7. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. We cannot let our minds believe that our situation, circumstances, or inability is too great for God to change. The opposition that we face does not change his position. No matter what we face day to day, it's going to change who God is. It's not going to change his ability to help us. It's not going to change his ability to, to keep us and to us and guide us. Jesus sees you in, his, in your state. He sees where you are. And just like this man, he will call you out of the multitude and meet your need today. He's saying, will you be made whole? Will you allow the chains that bind you, imprison you in your mind, be shaken off today? You know, that man's answer, he could have let his situation dictate whether he stays by that pool or not. I, I have no doubt in my mind that he's watched, he's attempted, when the waters are troubled, to make it to that pool only to be beaten by somebody else and then say you know what I have to try again next time and so he goes back to his place and he sits there waiting for another season waiting for the angel to come by and trouble the waters because he he, he in his mind he didn't let those things bother him but this man he said sir I have no man I have no one to help he had no idea that the very one that was speaking to him was the one that could bring help he was the help When it seems as if all hope is lost, the one greater than I shows up on the scene, moved with compassion to meet us there. You know, our minds are a powerful thing. Our minds are are what kind of dictates and and, and guides us day to day on, you know, how we feel or what we think or what we think about ourselves, you know. And, And so it's now, you know, it's more important than ever in the day and hour in which we live is that we do, as Paul said, let this mind be in you. Let the mind of Christ be in you, because in our minds, we're weak, we're frail, we're unable, we're inadequate, but we have to put on the mind of Christ and think like he thinks. You know, I talk to the youth all the time of how do we think like Jesus thinks? We have to get in his word. There's nowhere else that we could find the answer except in the word of God. How, how did he do things? How did he teach? How did he present himself how did he act how did he respond to those things and we can only learn that as we learn the word of God and as we put on Christ you know as we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh and it's it's as we begin to take on those things it's it's something that we just you know we we keep doing and doing and it becomes second nature but it's it's only as we put on his mind that we can escape the 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 inability or escape the confinement of our minds. Jesus was moved with compassion for this man. Almost all of Jesus' miracles throughout his ministry were performed out of compassion. It's said that two reasons that Jesus performed miracles. Number one is out of compassion, and number two is is to show that he is the Son of God. But most of them were out of compassion. He had compassion for his people. He had love for his people. He saw this man's condition and his heart went out to him. He couldn't leave him in the state that he was in. And it's the same for you and I today. I shared with the youth last week, 2 Peter chapter 2, but in verse 9 it says, "...but you are a chosen generation." You know, God chose you. As young people, you know, they may think that they don't matter. You as Christians may think that you don't matter, that, that you're just another cog in a wheel, that you're just another body, that you're just another person to warm up a church pew, but you matter to God. This lame man of 38 years mattered to Jesus, so much so that it was he was moved with compassion. You know, when Peter wrote that, that you're a chosen generation, he was talking to the strangers that were spread abroad. He was talking to a wide multitude of people, anyone that would read. And, you know, I told him, I said, you can say this was written, you know, 2,000 years ago. It doesn't apply today. But I believe the words used chosen generation. is God knew that we were going to be here for this generation, this appointed time, and God chose us to live at this time. God chose us, he handpicked us. Out of all the people that's ever been, he handpicked us to live at this appointed time. So how many of you know that he will meet us and equip us and help us through the hour in which we live? His love for you and I is the same today. He loves us too much to leave us where we are, to leave us feeling hopeless, sad, weak, unfit, or without power. He wants us to rest on him. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, it says, Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. No matter what plagues our mind, we can get through if we learn to cast it upon him. If we realize that no matter how much we fret, How much we worry, how much we try to do, that we're not going to make any headway until we rely on him. There's a lot of things that we fret over that we'll never be able to change. There's a lot of real estate given up in our minds to things that we'll never be able to to do or or to make a difference in, in ourselves. But it's only as we rest upon him. We put so many implications on our life. We put so many implications and, and, and unrealistic expectations on things that we in ourselves as humans, we can't attain. And it's only as we come and rest on him and rest in his stipulations, his morals, the things that he's laid out for us in his word, but we have to do it his way. And what's his way? He says, cast it on him. Take upon his yoke. We don't have to accomplish all those things that we set out to do. We have to rest in him. A lot of times we'll get so caught up in our minds and that we're so absent-minded in the word or when God wants to speak to us or in prayer because we're so wrapped up that we don't take time to listen to what he's saying. We don't take time to to commune with him and have personal fellowship with the Father. Our minds weigh us down in so many ways. But it's only as we put on Christ, as only as we give it over to him, surrender it to him, and realize that there's nothing in us that could change that. But it's only Jesus. The musicians would come. It's only as we give it over to him, and we learn this life, this exchanged life, and we learn that Jesus wants to carry us through. He gives us the strength. He gives us the help that we need as we rely on him. If you would stand this morning. Just want to open up these altars today. If something has spoken to you, if if you say, I'm, I'm tired of being impotent. I'm tired of being weak. I'm tired of feeling like I don't have power. I'm tired of feeling like I'm ineffective. I want you to come, find you a place to pray. Just ask God to help you that you would rest in him, that you would rest in his abilities, not your own. That you would lay down your burdens and take up his yoke. Just ask him for his help this morning. He's willing, Just as the man at the pool, he's, he's asking, will you be made whole today? How much longer will you allow these thoughts and these things to, to paralyze you and to keep you down, to keep you from going further with God? If you'd come find a place to pray this morning.